0: Podcast said, going. said this was Luke eight. Luke nine one. Oh, 9, 9. Luke nine one. Let's let's look at that real quick. It says, "Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils. Notice this, and to cure diseases. Called his twelve together." Gave them. Now notice these guys were operating under his authority. Okay. One thing about reading this before uh, Jesus was crucified and resurrected, we know that these guys were not born in their spirit like we are, but they still had the power. Why? Because they were operating under Jesus' authority. Now, when Jesus gives you authority as a child of God, you have your own authority. Yes, it comes from God, but you have the choice to give it or take it back. See? So he called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority. Power is the word dunamis. And it, now notice this. This particularly, uh, these Greek words have many meanings. It all depends on which setting it's in as to which meaning you apply. Here in this setting, this means that they had power, the actual, physical, inerrant power of God for performing miracles. That's what that means. Dunamas. We get our word what from? Dynamite. And so, it's, it's, it's more than just explosive. Dynamite, you know, when you think of dynamite from, from the region of the country that I'm from, you think of two things: coal mines and big tree stumps. <laughs> and they, you know, they loosen the the coal in the coal mines with dynamite. They'll drill, I don't know, maybe an inch and a half hole back into the bank, the embankment that they've uncovered, and stick that full of dynamite. And they'll have several of them, and they'll wire them up, and then they. They'll, they'll ignite that, and it loosens all that, and it falls down, they shovel it out, see? So that took that power, that explosive power. So that's what it means, if you can get that picture in your mind about when you are going to deal with the enemy, is that you have that kind of power just because you're a child of God. Don't have to be a preacher. Just because you're in His kingdom. Just because you belong to Him. You have that power. And we've not utilized it, see. It, it's sort of like. It, it's sort of like. Remember, remember the series on Superman when Clark Kent was a little boy? He didn't really know what he had. So he, he discovered that, see. Or use the il- illustration about the man that saved and saved and saved and saved and wanted to go to Australia or Africa, maybe and and saved and saved and saved and finally got enough money for his ticket and that's all he had money for and so he got on the boat and found him a place to just sleep and sit and wait until he got there it took weeks, weeks and uh, so just about the time they got there he, he discovered that his ticket also covered his meals and so it, it was included, see so that's kind of the way it is. I know that's an elementary way to put it, but it's kind of the way it is with us and God. We have to discover what comes with the package. See, great, great power and authority. I mean, yeah, some people that are naysayers about this way of believing will say, yeah, but you're not one of the disciples. Jesus gave the disciples that. All you got to do is read John 17. You'll find out that He prayed for them and us. Amen. Amen? And we're, we're, we have the same power in fact we have it better because we now walk in a way uh, I'm not talking about uh, after they got baptized in the Holy Spirit and born again and all that I'm talking about then we have it better because we have all that inherent in us and we choose to give it out I got to share this this came out in my prayer it was back there while I was praying in the spirit while ago and I, I don't know what this means but I've got to share it tonight. I know it's going on podcast. It's going on this CD. But the Lord had me start thanking Him for the fishing lines that I had out. Has any of you ever run a trot line? I pulled one in. Huh? I pulled one in. Well, I went with my brothers and my dad and all back when I was a kid, and that, and he would set out a, pro, a trot line across the river. And have hooks on it, you know, and they'd have about that long. And they would let it down. They'd put different kinds of stuff, chicken necks and all kinds. depending on what they wanted to catch. And they would sink it down to the bottom. And then the next day or whatever, we'd usually camp out. And then the next day or next morning, we'd get up and check the trot line. Well, that's what I saw in my spirit about this church. That we've got these fishing lines out and we're going to catch some big fish. We're going to catch some glory to God. So, it's out there. Y'all help agree with me, you know about that. I don't know why. You know, I'm just not that far away from being a kid. So that's why the Lord deals with me like that. But uh, notice that He says, and He gave them power and authority. Isn't that interesting? Many times when the Scripture says power, it is it already is the word exousia, authority. Why the translators did that, I don't know. But but here he says power, dunamis, and exousia. Exousia means jurisdiction. I've been a policeman. You were a policeman, a deputy or something, and you knew we had, we had jurisdiction. We could not go beyond that. We, we lost our authority when we got away from our jurisdiction. Well, Jesus gave us jurisdiction... And our jurisdiction is worldwide. Glory to God. So we have jurisdiction. We have it's a judicial word. It's a word which means that we can make decisions in the name of Jesus. And it carries authority. We make decisions. When you make a decision, here I am teaching on healing. I'm supposed to be talking about the devil. When you make a decision to lay hands on somebody, that that's that authority and that's why it has to happen. Amen. Don't ask me. I mean it's a good series that we're doing on Sunday afternoons. I loved that last lesson about uh why or not why, but that some some people don't get healed. You know, but keep on doing it. Keep on going. We'll find out later. We'll sift it out. We'll sort the fish later. Amen. <laughs> but also Authority, exousia, the power of choice. The power of choice or permission or influence. Think about that. Each one of us has had or have a sphere of influence in our life. That means we come into contact with people that render us a little bit of respect maybe. Maybe. And when they do, we have influence in their life. Meaning that we can have authority to make decisions on their behalf. They may not know how to get healed. I'm thinking of your boss right now. They might not know how to receive from God. But Bill does. And he can carry that influence in there and deliver it directly to him. See, All the glory belongs to God. It's very, very dangerous to take glory from God. Very dangerous to self-exalt yourself. That's, that's how, that's how Lucifer fell. Self-exaltation is the beginning of failure. And so he says that he gave them power and authority, exousia, over all devils, all demonion, all the, all the evil entities in the world. And notice this, to cure diseases. Now, the word cure here is the word therapeo. It really is where we get, uh, if Max was here, I'd have him say, you know, he's taking therapy. So that's what that is. So, no, so remember that, uh, coupled with what we're learning on Sunday afternoons. Couple that therapy. In fact, I've got, I've got a series, and in fact, I've never, in 30 something years, I've never had it typed up. But uh, I've got a a series I do on uh, healing for all. And spiritual therapists is the name of this, this particular lesson, lesson nine. So that in itself indicates a time period. So don't get discouraged when you pray for somebody or minister to somebody and they don't immediately receive it. Immediate results is miracle therapy which takes time is healings but here here's the thing the devil when we don't know that what we'll do a lot of times is when and i know i have in the past when i see that something has not happened uh i'll pull my faith off of it well it didn't work see and that's his deception oh yeah see there but no, you keep on. And, and, and the, one of the biggest words that I've gotten recently from the Lord is that prayers don't have a, an expir- expiration date. The Lord. So, so you just keep on trusting in that prayer you prayed mm-hmm. for that individual, and that's therapy. Mm-hmm. Now, in, the, in that lesson nine, uh, I was going over it earlier and it brought back so many memories, but there, I, I deal with that, the different ways that Jesus did minister to people. And it's very, very interesting how, and we'll get into that sometime, uh, but, but I, wanted to, I wanted to start this off talking about our enemy and defining him and how that we start from a standpoint of victory. We start from that. We're already, like Brother Hagin said, we're already seated with him in heavenly places if you're a believer. Amen. So we, we, have, we have the opportunity to look at life's problem From the throne room down. Because we're with Him. It'd be good to get another t-shirt made. I'm with Him. (laughs) Amen. I'm with Him. And they'll say, who? (laughs) Let me tell you who. Always, you know, I've got the... I'm getting some bait ready for my hooks. You know what I'm telling you? (laughs) Amen. I need to get teaching. I never will get done with this lesson. So, to cure... Diseases. Now diseases, but this particular word is nosos. Nosos is a a malady and it has its origin in demonic power. So these diseases that he's giving them authority and power over are demonically inspired. And I need to let you know that not all sickness is is demons. Some is too many calories... Amen? I mean, I've got a protruding abdomen to prove that. If I don't deal with this, it will deal with me one day. Amen? I didn't realize stopping working would make weight come on you. I'm just in a different kind of work. So, this word nosos used to have uh, the connotation, it was, it was used to describe cancerous boils on people's bodies. And I'm telling you, in that, in that land, the land of Palestine, the land of Israel at that time, people were just victims of sickness and disease. They had, they had no way of dealing with it. And it's my opinion that usually when you go into a a place, it's been my experience, when you go into a place where people don't have money, they have no way of getting help from doctors, they are the easiest to get healed. I mean, you go to Guatemala, San Jose, some of, the, some of the countryside down there from San Jose down to the, to the, uh, the Pacific coast, uh, go into those little villages. I mean, they are a bag of needs, and you can supply all that. It's so easy. But when we get over here into the first world country, it seems that we are too quick to grab a Tylenol Or too quick to say, well, I'll just go to the doctor. I mean, God, there's no condemnation for that. But it's just a a kind of an indication as to why a lot of times people don't receive. See, It's like the Lord spoke to me how long ago? Two or three months ago, maybe now. When I, I I was aggravated because I like for people to get healed when I pray for them. And I said, Lord, why? And he said, because they coddle their sickness. Whatever that's worth. You know, I'm sure I'm guilty as well as a lot of us in here. So, in chapter 10, Jesus calls 70 more people. Puts them on staff. And notice what He tells them. Chapter 10 and verse 1. After these things the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two and two. Before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore he said unto them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways, behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. He's given them some instructions on what to do, you know, what. Uh, on down there, uh, uh, I don't. Well, maybe we do need to. Go your ways. I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor script, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house you enter, first say, "Peace be to this house." Well, folks, we're not going to be taping this one. Peace be unto this house. And if the son of peace be there, your peace will rest upon it. And if not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from that house to house. And into whatsoever city you enter there, uh, and they receive you. Eat such things that set before you. That's very important and heal the sick that are therein. There again, the word heal is therapeo. Heal the sick that are therein, and say to them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So, and he gives them some, some uh, if they reject you, you know, shake the dust of your feet off. Anyway, let's go down here to 17. 17 says, And the seventy returned with jo- again with joy, saying, Lord... Even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Subject, Tasso, meaning that they fall in line, they obey us. Even the devils. They've never had that happen before. I mean, they were up and down, jumping up and down, happy about this. They said, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. The word subject, hupotasso here, is is a military term. That means when you subjugated your enemy, you captured them, and you, they had to obey what you said. That's the kind of term they were using about this. So these devils, it's untelling how many. Jesus didn't tell them to go cast out devils, did He? He told them to go cure the sick. Go heal the sick. But they also found out hey, no sauce, demonically inspired. We can get rid of those. And they did. And they were were so joyful about that. And Jesus said unto them in verse 18, which is kind of the pivotal verse that we're going to springboard off of this. He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you, I deliver, I supply to you exousia. There's the word power, but it is actually exousia. To tread on scorpions, serpents, and over all the dunamis of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now I don't know about you, but... How many of you have been in the charismatic way for uh, uh, some time and and you when you first came into it you were so excited you were so I mean you you wanted to cast the devil out of everything that was wrong I mean everything. Well, I, well I was like that. I mean I even got carried away with a bunch down in central Florida. They had a little place down there in central west Florida. Uh I forget the name of the little town but it was called New Jerusalem USA. And what they did, they brought you in and you would, you would go through a life counseling session and they would set you in a chair and they would have an intercessor over there. <laughs> Mine was an 85-year-old lady and she laid over there on a cot and prayed in tongues the whole time. Then they had two life counselors ministering to you. And... uh They were were there to cast out whatever demons that you might have uh, that's affecting your life to keep you from producing in God's kingdom. And so I said, okay, you know, whatever. So they did, and that that old lady got up off her cot. I mean, this thing went on four or five hours. Got up off her cot and came over there and put her hands on my head. And she goes, my, my, Brother Chumley. You have a vivid imagination. I looked at her and I said, "Well, duh," <laughs> because I do. I mean, it's to to a fault. I, my imagination is to a fault, and so we went through that, and uh, and you know, we were just so turned on that we had the power of God. We were we were just like little kids, you know, teenagers. Just glory to God. Well, through all that, I. Uh, was at a place actually it was I pastored a church in Quincy, Florida, the Quincy Church of God. And this was about nineteen let's see, Josh was born in seventy eight. So it's probably early seventy eight that this happened. And Wayne Miley I'm glad I'm not recording this because they won't find it. But Wayne Miley, his his sweet wife came to church all the time, but he never did. So finally one Sunday he came and all of a sudden, at the end of my message, he came up and started growling, and we knew that he was possessed of the devil. so I said, "Glory to God, we're going to cast this devil out, and I'm telling you what we wrestled with that young man. It must have been thirty minutes. We turned over every pew in the choir loft we put we pushed the piano up against the wall I mean, it was a-it was a fiasco. And so finally, after a while, I mean, I was 22 years old. After a while, I said, my God, we can't get this devil out of this man. We're fighting with flesh and blood. <laughs> so we just gave up. We just gave up. So, you know, that kind of thing can, can happen to you when you're young and stupid and not realize your authority and not how to use it and all this kind of stuff. I have cast out some since then uh, intelligently instead of rational around on the floor. I had another man at a meeting I was doing, a revival I was doing in Dowling Park, Florida. And uh, he came up to the, he was a big old, huge guy, probably 20, 25 years old. Just, I mean, he was a monster. He came up crying, laid his cigarettes out on the altar there and was giving his heart. And all of a sudden he started growling. I said, oh, here we go again. And I, I, one of the guys, he, he, Here, here's the antics of it. I mean, you you can say some stupid stuff. He took his... <laughs> this guy was laying on the floor, back to the floor, and this guy got his Bible and made a cross on his chest and he just writhed with pain because of that Bible. I don't know. You know, that's not scriptural at all, but it, it did. But anyway, we got the devil out of that guy and he became a church member and all that stuff for that church. So... What we want to talk about here is where did Jesus get his attitude about the devil? Because where he got his from, we need to have ours. Amen? And so he says that in verse 18. uh, You know, your attitude about the devil determines whether you're going to be a success or not, as I just showed you. And verse 18 says, I beheld Satan to look intently and constantly... Uh, upon him. In, in other words, this, re- this word denotes relationship. He, he looked, he beheld him as lightning. You know, you can't behold lightning very long. But we'll, we'll learn a little later of what position that this, this individual had. And Jesus, when, when they came to him saying the devils are subject, he said, I beheld him. I watched him fall. See, Satan wants us to think that he has great power. But I'm going to talk to you about five different demotions that that turkey has gone through. The first one, of course, was when he was cast out of heaven. That's his first demotion. And in each demotion, he loses a lot of power. But Jesus said this, he, you know, uh, that, that I beheld him. I watched him. I was there when he was stricken out of heaven. And it happened that quick. Uh, As quick as lightning, he was cast out because iniquity was found in him. We'll get into those scriptures as well. I taught this lesson in uh, September the 2nd. I had it written on top of the page here, uh, 1990. And before that date, earlier in that week, the Holy Spirit said something to me. He said about Satan's power. He said, my power is absolute, but Satan's power is obsolete. I thought that was pretty cool. So, Satan's kingdom has never been greater than Jesus' kingdom. Amen. And it, and just think about this. It's a little premature, but I'll go ahead and say this. You, you already know this. Is that just because you're a child of God means you have more power than He does? You don't have to pray. You don't have to fast. You don't have just because of who you are. You have more authority. Now we have to build that conscience in us before we can get it in a workable situation. That's called growth in God's kingdom. But still, you do have that kind of power. So, Jesus, when He said, I beheld Him, He knew Him intricately. Now this individual, when he was Lucifer, only God knows how old he, he was or he is. Uh, he probably is older than the meteorites is flying around in space right now. He's, pro- he's probably older than that. But Jesus had the scoop on him. He knew exactly what happened to him. The 70 did not have that ed- information yet. And he, he had the scoop on him. You know, there's nothing like somebody knowing your story. Somebody knows your story, it just takes the wind out of everything. You know, like when you're telling a good joke, somebody already heard it. Why even finish? You know? I was over at Larry Masoner's funeral today and they told jokes that that man told. He was a great guy. But it was just so funny. You know, some of the things. and I can't tell you some of them. There must have been, I don't know, a thousand people there. But uh, anyway, if somebody knows your joke or knows your story, you know, you you just have no... When somebody knows you, it's sort of like when I go home. I mean, they don't... When I go home to my mother and dad, and, and, and well, dad's dead, but mother and brother and sister, I mean, I don't walk in the room and they say, "Hey, brother Chumley," you know. <laughs> no, they, they remember when I walked around in in uh, diapers. See, and you know they, you know, you just don't have it. It's, not, it's like Jesus said, "A prophet hath no honor except save in his own country." You know, it's just when people know you. Well, Jesus knew about this guy and He knew what happened to him and He did not have respect for him. A lot of people, you'd be surprised, maybe even some of your friends around Moreland and Woodward here, that are Christians, that are afraid to even talk about Him because they're afraid of Him. Did you know fear is one form of respect? Of respect. Fear is one form of respect. Jesus did not fear him. He did not respect him. He put him in his place. Because he is someone who's lost all his glory, all of his pomp, all of his grandeur, and has been reduced to a heap of ashes on the earth. Now he said, I beheld him as lightning fall from heaven. That's very, very quick. That is his first reduction in power. In other words, he became a flash in the pan. When he he was cast out uh, into utter destruction, he was consumed. Let's look at Job 38. Job, they say, is probably the oldest recorded book, not just in the Bible, but in the world. Job 38... Let's start with verse 4. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare. Tell it. Job 38 and 4. If thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched upon line upon it? Jan Butler, a friend of mine, asked the Lord, He spends a lot of time praying in the Spirit too. And he asked the Lord one night, he said, "Uh, just how big is the universe? And God said, well, I'm behind it. You know, they've just determined recently that the universe, the whole universe is traveling at the speed of light. Our earth, our sun, our solar, everything is traveling. And they say that, that it's expanding at the speed of light, wow. that's two hundred and eighty six thousand miles, a two hundred and eighty six thousand two hundred and seventy two miles per second. Oh my gosh now i've lived a little over sixty four years in my life. Wonder how far it's traveled in just that length of time it' It's just amazing and, and he's asking job this: Where, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Who who laid the cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's talking about angels. Stars of God... Excuse me, the the morning stars. Stars is always a reference to angels. Sons of God. Always reference for angels. Always. So these angels... The sons of God and the angels that were called stars. They weren't stars, but they were called. They were singing in in angelic harmony. Now these things here that that was just said in these passages. I I want this to sink into your mind. This was before the creation. These happened before the creation. He's asking Job, where were you? So, five times these angels, this is referred to, the sons of God is referred in angels. Colossians 1.16 tells us that Jesus created all things. All things were made by Him and for Him. So Jesus created all that. Jesus uh, didn't come into existence in Bethlehem, did He? He was in existence as God Forever. The, the only thing is that Jesus came into being when Mary said, Be it unto me according to thy word. But Christ has always been. So Jesus, the Son, has always been, and he created. He just he wasn't named that. See. Name uh, is very, very important. Now, let me tell you about four different kinds of angels. There are archangels, and there were three in all originally. The archangels were the leaders. They were of the armies of God. Each one of them had different uh, responsibility. Let's put it that way. Different functions. These archangels. Uh, uh, can you name them? The archangel Michael. The archangel. What's the next one? What? Gabriel. Michael, Gabriel, and. Who? Lucifer. Well, I going to say that, but I didn't. Lucifer was an archangel. Now, Michael is dispatched by God the Father, Gabriel is dispatched by the Holy Spirit, Lucifer was dispatched by Jesus. In other words, he drew Lucifer when he was cast. He drew a third of the angels. Why do you think? And we're gonna we're gonna verify this throughout this teaching. So don't uh, don't you know reject it just because it's something you haven't who heard. You, who did you say Gabriel? Gabriel is dispatched by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So what happened was when Lucifer fell. He was in charge of an angelic host, a third of the angels in heaven, and they primarily ruled this place we call Earth, which then was called Eden, not the Garden of Eden. Eden was the garden of God and so they they led this planet whatever whatever was here i i, I don't that's far beyond what the scripture tells us that was here. Uh, it's my opinion, which doesn't matter much, but it's been used several times, I think. In fact, when you hear the, uh, the word, how many has ever heard the phrase from before the foundation of the world? You ever heard that? Yes. You want to know what that means? That means from before the overthrowing of the world that then was. before the overthrowing of the world that then was. That was sometime between verse 1 and verse 2 of Genesis. So in Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And verse 2 says, And the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Most every scholar that I've ever read after, most every uh, Hebrew and Greek uh, dictionary that I've ever looked in, says that it's very, very probable that there are millions and millions of years between verse 1 and verse 2. Because you see, and I'll show you that in Scripture in a little bit, I guess, is that God never makes anything without form and void and with darkness. Those two words, without form and void, are the Hebrew words, it might be the Septuagint Greek though. Anyway, those two words are tohu and bohu. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's correctly translated this way. Y'all get anything out of this? Yes. It's correctly translated this way. And the earth became Tohu and Bohu. Waste and desolate would have been a better translation of that. See. So it became that way. Now when Jesus told the disciples, the 70, that I beheld Satan fall from heaven as lightning. That fast he was cast out of heaven and it's my personal belief that he that 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 was one of the first deluge of the earth is when he was cast out and he destroyed he weakened the nations and he destroyed the planet and confused light and darkness, confused water from land and because of the power he had, and when he was cast out, that was his one of his final acts that he did was destroy this world see so we have to keep these things in mind when we're talking about this. The next kind of angel is the cherubim. The cherubim, the, word, the, the name cherubim literally means to cover. to cover. To cover. They cover the presence of God. Many references in the Word of God, they, they cover the mercy seat. You know, they're, 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 they're protectors. The word, it means protectors. Uh, the next kind of angel, there's only two of these. The seraphim. The seraphim is, is is called a burning one. They have six wings. I've got a course on angels too, and I know this is going to lead to that. I've already been looking back. In fact, I've got page three right here of lesson three on here, but. Uh, Again, it was uh, I didn't even have it tapped up years ago. But anyway, uh, the, these cherubim covered. It, you can find that in Isaiah 37 and 16. Ezekiel 1.10 to cover. We could take time and go that, but I really shouldn't do your studying for you. The seraphim is listed in Isaiah 6.2 and verse 6 also. Uh, Hebrews 1.7 is a, a reference to that uh, minister's... Excuse me, min, a, a worshiper of God. A worshiper of God. And then the last kind of angels, and I don't mean this disrespectful, but it's just regular rank and file angels are called in the Scripture ministering Spirits. Hebrews seven, I think that's where that is. Of Spirit. Ministering spirits. It says that they are sent, Hebrews 1.14, they are ministering spirits sent to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. These rank and file angels are the, the kind that you have assigned to you at the moment that your father's sperm met your mother's egg and you became a human being, that angel was assigned to you. Hebrews 1.14, I think. One, yeah, 1.14. So the, these, I, I've never... I may have seen... He may have been one that I saw when I was... Remember, I was vacuuming the church. And, and I looked back. I had the vacuum cleaner in the bucket. And, all, and I looked back and he was sitting in the second or third pew in the middle. And as soon as I started to respond, he just went out. And a couple of weeks later is when I heard the voice of God call me to preach. That's I've said often said that that's why he didn't call me to sing because I've been singing them hymns uh, you know I did that while I cleaned the church but but that that was probably uh my ministering spirit. I do know that it was him who rescued me that time i as five years old I jumped off the stairs and and he picked me up and said, I do know that, so each one of us have one now here's the question about How many angels are there? Well, the Bible says they're innumerable. And somebody may say, yeah, but He took a third of them with Him. There is enough angels left. This is a mind blower here. There is enough angels left for each one of us to have 126,000 apiece on this earth. We're in good company. Glory to God. So you see, when you come from the standpoint about the devil with these kind of facts, he becomes real small. It's just like that little analogy somebody was that the Lord, I guess, gave them about the devil. That these people were going into a dark room and they couldn't see anything and they heard this deep voice, you know, really bad, saying bad things. And finally somebody flicked the light on and it was somebody in a wheelchair that was all drawn up with a deep voice. No harm whatsoever. And so that's kind of the picture we have of Him. He wants us to think He has power. He wants us to be afraid. Because you see, Satan can't do anything to you apart from fear than Jesus can do for you apart from faith. So Satan must have faith, or excuse me, fear, which fear really is faith in the negative. You know, you're afraid something's going to happen. And that fear draws that to you. I, I, I really feel like that that was one of the aspects that was wrong with Job. Because one of the statements that he makes in the book of Job there is that that which I greatly feared has come upon me. See. So again... Satan can't do anything to you apart from fear. So when fear comes, you know what that's about. I that's why I love that song that that your kids sing all the time, uh the the breakup song. Who is that uh Banachelli or whatever her name is? Sings that. Uh, it's it's awesome. My daughter sings that with her daughter every night because she's afraid of the dark. And and that little youngin, I mean, you know, 6 6 almost 7 years old, prays in tongues and and worships God and sings that song and the fear leaves. Fear does not own her. And so it would be good for us. I mean, you know, I'm not six years old, but I, I like singing that. Because we have no, fear has no place with us. Fear and faith can't exist together. You can't trust God and fear the devil at the same time. It's the same thing about mammon. Jesus said you can't you can't serve God and mammon at the same it's just impossible. Because you hold to the mammon because you have trust in it, and you when, as soon as you turn to that, then you've left God or vice versa. This makes sense. Amen. So the ministering spirits they carry out God's directions. Quota When you pray in the Spirit. It's very possible that your tongues could be a tongue of angels, and would be the Holy Spirit directing them in a certain in- instant in your life in the future to protect you from harm. Hallelujah. Very well could be. Very well could be. I'm not sure uh, uh, the brother in that Language of God book talked about that or not, but but you can you can let me know. I don't I don't remember. That came up out of my spirit, so it's been to put it's been put in there at some point. Okay, so Lucifer drew a third of the stars. Revelation 12.4, if you want to write that down, he drew a third of the stars, which is angels. And uh, But I, I, Ezekiel 28, let's see, it's, it's 7.25. let me see how I hate for this thing to go... It's 44 minutes, so I can go 15 more minutes before it shuts off. A lot of people listen to this podcast you know, off in other places, and I, at fifty-nine minutes and fifty-nine seconds, it cuts off. So, I, I'd like to get this in here. So, let, let's look over at Ezekiel twenty-eight for a for a minute. We, we'll come back to this passage uh, often, I would say, in this series. Uh, notice this in verse twelve. Now, what's,
1: what's the, Ezekiel twenty-eight
0: twelve. So when. So when, you, when you're thinking about the devil and trying to define him, and that's what this course is all about, defining him, don't forget that when the Lord is speaking to him, sometimes it's like he's speaking to a man. Because he calls the man's name. And you'll find that here in this passage. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre, And say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Notice that he did not say, Thou hast been in the garden of Eden. So there's a difference. This is talking about the first Eden Now again, I'll tell you when these are my opinions and when it's the word of God. You can take it for what it's worth. It's my opinion, in studying this for years that Eden was actually the name of the earth. That it was actually the name that was Eden was earth. That's just my opinion. But notice this while and remember that while I'm reading this Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfecting and beauty. Thou hast been in Eden the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald and the carbuncle and gold and the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Now you know he told this guy, Ezekiel, to take up a lamentation. Now, what is a lamentation? There's a whole book of the Bible called that. What is it? What what is lamentation? Lament? Huh? Well, what it is, it's when you lament over something. It's kind of like mourning. You know, like there were mourners today at Larry's funeral. So that that's kind of what r- lamentation means. This is actually our father mourning over his vast creation and what Lucifer had become. There's the love of God still yet. It didn't, it, he did not enjoy casting this individual out. Lucifer had free will. He could, he could disobey if he wanted to. That's God's way. God's way is not to control mankind or any other creature for that matter. We, we have free will. We, we choose our way. See, That's why and I've been doing a little... I told you Sunday I study on two or three different things at a time. I've been looking into Arminianism and Calvinism. Both of them I don't like, but still, you know, there's, there's bits of truths in each one of them. But Calvinism, extreme Calvinism, means that you're going to be safe whether you like it or not. Ain't no use for evangelism. How many has ever heard of the hard-shell Baptists? Have you ever heard of the hard shells? There's some out back home, I'm telling you. The hard shell Baptists are one extreme, and the oneness Pentecostals are the other. One handles snake, and the other one says we don't have to have... The hard shells don't even have music. But they're extreme Calvinistic, meaning that that you're going to be saved, God has chosen you, and you can never lose it. Armenianism goes the other direction. Armenian was a disciple of Calvin, and he began to read the Bible and say, "Hey, some, some things don't add up here." But notice this: he said, "Thou hast, we, we read all of these jewels that he wore as skin." You ladies have a brooch. Any of you have a brooch? He was a giant brooch. <laughs> he says, all these tablets and pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Now seriously, He was created for worship. He looked like worship to God. And all of the third of the angels that he was a leader of in worship to God, he allowed them to speak things into him, into his magnificence and his beauty. And that is when sin was born. And that was what? When sin was born was when that he began to be lifted up. I'm telling you, self-exaltation is the worst thing that's ever been. It started it all. That's why I see it all the time. If I'm around preachers, I see it. I'm telling you, I stay, I stood at a camp meeting in Waimama, Florida. It's an Indian name. Whatever it means, I don't know. And I was on the outside of the tent, this huge camp meeting in the Church of God. And I was just a little upstart, you know, 23 years old or so. I was standing there with some of the great preachers of the church of God they were in a little huddle one of them was up there on the platform just I mean shucking corn you know what that you know what that means when you you just shucking that corn boy and that preaching I used to try to do that but I can't so I quit but uh he was up there preaching he was doing a great job I mean he was eloquent just I mean just so I heard these three preachers standing there I was standing right behind them I wasn't included but I overheard and one of them said to the other he said, You think I can preach good as him? Mm-hmm. He said, What? You think I can preach good as him? And then's when, you know, my little head began to be educated about church polity, mm-hmm. who you know, you better be good to this one because he can get you where you want to be. I never could play that game. I just never could. I was always the odd guy out. I never did fit. Listen. I feel sorry for y'all. I have never fit in anywhere. <laughs> I never have I wanted to fit in at Ramos so bad. I thought when I got to pastor in the church and it was very successful, and I went back to talk to Ken Jr, I thought, glory to God, I got an appointment with Ken Jr, and what the Holy Spirit had laid on my heart was I wanted him to help us as pastors. To start like a junior college in our church, so that we could send people from there to Rama. And you know what his his response was? Well, I'm not going to support anything that's in competition with Rhema. And so that just that just ticked my East Tennessee mind off. I, it, I just it aggravated me. And so I looked at him. I mean, he's arrogant as the day is long, anyway. I looked at him and I said, I'll tell you one thing it'll do. It'll keep flakes out of Ramah. Well, we don't have any flakes at Ramah. I said, listen to me, you had them when I was here. Because I was one of the ones that overheard some of the guys talking about going back to the apartments. I knew right where the apartments are. I know where they are today. Going back and they would have homosexual orgies after school every day. I didn't tell him that because I was too mad. I was afraid I was going to say something bad. But uh, How in the world did I get off of this? I've never fit in anywhere. See? So it's been kind of a hard way because I've never had anybody help me. Uh, but I, as I get into these things, I begin to see self-exaltation that it's such an awful, awful thing and how it's destroyed men's lives and they don't even realize it. They start playing, you know, each other, and you know, making friends. But they're not really friends. you are just playing like they are, so that you can benefit from who they are. See, I just never could do that. I guess my mama just raised me in a way I, I just don't care. You know, I, you know, I, they call it brown nosing back home. Do that? What they call it here? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> anyway, <coughs> notice this. Verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. The word, the word anointed here, now I'm going to use the Greek uh, Septuagint word rather than the, than the Hebrew word. It means the same thing. But the, but the, but the Greek word here for, for anointed is, is to rub oil on somebody. It, it's the same word. They get the word masseuse. What is it, masseuse? You know where they'll rub oil into your skin. And though I've never had that done, I couldn't. I can't stand to be rubbed anyway. But but you know, and that's what that means—an anointing of oil. He said, "Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth." He covered the glory of God. And he said, "I have set thee so thou wast on the holy mountain of God." He had free access to God. He worshipped Him. He led worship to Him. He lifted Him up. And when His cohorts began to speak into His heart about His beauty and how wonderful He was, He allowed it in and that is the moment that iniquity was found in Him. He said, Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till, until iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise have they filled the midst of thee with violence. That's when the stars, the angels that he was over, began speaking into him. That's what God's talking about here. And thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries, then telling how many he had. by the multitude of thine iniquities and by the iniquity of thy traffic, therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, and it shall devour thee now, now let's finish that he said and I will Bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. And all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Now that is a word from God to the enemy. To our enemy. There's so much of this that I want to get to you today. He, uh, he, was, he was the... Model of perfection. All three of the archangels met the same qualifications as he did. They, they, they were perfect. Uh, they were, the, wor- the word model means reflector. He was a reflector of God's glory, God's light. But somehow, he began to think that he had the light. He was not the light; he was the reflector of it. See, and that's you know, if you think about it, that's what all these jewels do. When light is is shown, they reflect. See. Now a little later, we're going to get into what he looks like now, but what he looked like then was amazing, and and that reflection, uh, you know, as I said, verse thirteen there is, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. He's also mentioned being in the mountain of God. Uh, This was before Adam and Eve was ever here. He was in the garden of God. Eden, the garden of God. The first one, Genesis 1, as I said, verses 1 and 2, which we're going to get into in the next lesson. The choirs of God. He was in charge of the choirs of God. And notice this, next lesson also. He had a throne in Eden. He had pervasive dominion; he was Lord of the planet, and led them led it in worship to God. so it's called, it's called the Garden of God and the Mountain of God. It says every precious stone was thy covering and, and the covering there is like skin. It, you know it's what he was made out of. Uh, you know diamonds sparkle like that. Did you know diamonds give off heat?